BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey guys, before we get into this episode of Talking Metal with photographer Mark Weiss, the one and only, wow, man, this guy has shot everyone from Kiss to Van Halen to Guns N' Roses. His new book is amazing. We're going to talk to him all about it, so stay tuned for that. But before we do that, let's thank the patrons, the people who make this show happen. You are the executive producers of Talking Metal, the people who financially support what I do with this podcast, which is now over 15 years old. We started it back in August 2005. Here we are, September 2018, and here are the people who support what I do with it. Metal Dan. Hey, Dan, I just mailed you out the Talking Metal face mask, so be on the lookout for that. John Bovari, Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Jay Vaninsky, Michael Street, Fred Rutz, David S. Gray, John Bennett, M- Anthony Mackey, John Francois Blas, Ron Keel, Stephen Saylor, Jason Seth, Joe Ryan, Matt Carroll, Drake, Sam Soupy, Jerry from Long Island, Dan Gurwan, Richard Langridge, Brad Dahl from Utah, Leo from Alaska, Kenny McCrimmon, McCrimson, uh, let me make sure, Kenny McCrimmon, I'm sorry about that, uh, Tommy Anderson, Steve Rodriguez, Johan Enderstrom, Jeremy Weltman, and Andrew Miller. Thanks, dudes. Here we go. Here's the episode. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Memories off of the Blizzard of Oz album by Ozzy Osbourne, an album which is almost 40 years old. Isn't that wild? 40 years old. And the one guy who really took so many great pictures of Ozzy back in that era, especially Mark Weiss, he's on the podcast with us. Let me just look at uh, Blizzard of Oz before we get into that interview. Blizzard of Oz. It's got to be just about 40, right? Let me, I'm going to Wikipedia. Going, yeah, man. Wow. September 20th, 1980. So 40 years old. Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz. Craziness. Craziness. Wow. Time is flying by. 40 years since Randy and Ozzy released that beast of a record on us. Of course, Lee on the drums, Bob Daisley on the bass, supposedly also helping out with lyrics. Yeah, man, great stuff. So let's do this. Let's get into Mark Weiss here on the podcast. This was a conversation that John and I had with Mark on the Talking Metal live stream recently, and he will be doing his uh, his thing at the Mammoth Museum, I believe it is, in New Jersey this Friday. And then the you know the uh, what do you want to call it? The exhibit will will stay at the museum, so you can really go check it out at any time for, I believe, the at least the next month or so. But um, not. I, I need to confirm that. We'll, we'll get it up in the show notes. But anyways, without further ado, here's our interview. When I say our, John Astronomy Ostrowski and myself, here's our interview with the ultimate rock and roll photographer, Mark Weiss. We have Thanks, an amazing John. show tonight, Mark. We have... Uh, Let's do a toast to Mark Weiss, legendary photographer. Dang. Bang. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking, um, uh, it's this Brooklyn brewery, six point brewery, uh, resin. Uh, and it is a wow. 9%, 9.5. Wait, is that right? Yeah, not, no, 9.1% alcohol and brewed in Brooklyn, New York. Wow. Uh, I'm That's a fan high. of those Brooklyn breweries that Brooklyn, the Brooklyn beer brewery itself is, is great. And uh, of, I like the five points too, or six points. I'm sorry. Awesome. Cool. Hey, and we've got Mark Weiss. He is on. Mark, how are, how are you? you? All you got to do is click a button and you're on. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, now we were just setting up the show, Mark, and uh, we want to we want to tell everybody that we are first with legendary photographer Mark Weiss. You've got two things going on. You've got a great book called The Decade That Rock, which Mark is going to hold up here. He's got it for either I think it was for Father's Day. Yeah, my wife surprised me with this for Father's Day, Mark, and it was uh, uh, my favorite gift uh, of the day for sure. Great stuff. I want to talk to you all about this because I'm truly enjoying it. So many, not only great photos, Mark, but I, I love the little write-ups, the stories, you know, that you've you've included um, with with the photos, the kind of backstory. I guess I would. There's a lot of great stuff there. I don't want to spoil them all, but there's a few I'd like to ask you about. So we'll all get right. to that in a bit. Spoil away. It's fine. You know, share the word. You know, you got to You know, it's, it's something reading it, but and talking about it and showing it on on you know on your web. But holding it and looking at it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it just, it means a lot to me, you know, that I put this together and everyone's there to check it out and enjoy it. And I, I look at it every day and it's like, geez, I did that. I did that. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing stuff. And this of course is the decade that rocked and that would be the, the 1980s. So it's, it's your work from 
that specific decade. But but before we dive into the book, John, why don't you set up what Mark has coming up and we can talk to him about what, what's going on there. Absolutely. Uh, on uh, The opening is September 12th, and I think the official uh, opening to the public is September 14th at the Monmouth Museum. It's the Decade That Rock exhibit, the Decade That Rocked exhibit, and it's showcasing stuff from your home. Uh, we did an exclusive today on my Facebook page of the slippery when wet shirt, which is being seen for the first time ever. And Mark, I mean, you even have the garbage bag, I think it was, for the slippery when wet cover. And I love the story. I watched the piece. I think, I don't know if it was VH1 who did that on that album cover and John Bon Jovi calling you. We're going to get into that. But Mark, I got to tell you something first. And you're not going to believe this, but I have thought of you, every, and I'm going to tell you why, and you're going to remember, every single day for probably the last 15 years, and I'm, I'm not kidding, because you gave me two prints of Ozzy. One was of Ozzy, a headshot from the 80s, and one was Ozzy and Amy Osborne when she was a baby, and the baby has like a devil costume on, and I've had that in my entranceway in three different apartments. So as soon as I walked into three different apartments, including the newest one, I've got both of your pictures right there. That's awesome, yeah, yeah, good stuff, I like that. And I gotta thank you, you gave me two actual prints that you had in a portfolio because you did um, an, a, a gallery opening at 1515 Broadway, the MTV studios and office, and uh, it was amazing. And after that exhibit, you gave me those prints VH1 framed them, and they've been in every single entranceway to my apartment for the last 15 years. That's cool, man. I like I like hearing stories like that. Yeah. So, so Mark, you're, you're going to be having an exhibit, right? There's going to be an exhibit coming. And, and, and can you tell us a little bit about when and where this is happening? Yeah, well, it's at Monmouth Museum. It's right by Red Bank, exit 109. It's the Brookdale College. Uh, it's their, their campus. It's like on there. So you just follow the signs to Brookdale Community College, and it's called Monmouth Museum. You can go online and check it out, check out, get directions. But uh, it's this huge space. It's like it's like hidden away. Like I'm really looking forward to sharing this space with people, and they just kind of let me do whatever I want with it. So I had all the space, and for the last like month, uh, I just turned it into my house pretty much. I just pulled stuff off my walls and went into the garage, found some tour books, got my laminates, put them in some cases. And then I started finding all these things I didn't even know I had. And it's all going to be there. And I took right. my gold records off my walls here and I put them there. Not all of them, but uh, you know, a handful. So each year I, uh, I have, I have, you know, my gold record for each year from 1980 to 1990 and, wow. and all sorts of little things. And I'm, I'm not done decorating it yet. You know, I keep going back there every day until the opening on the 12th. Mark, wow. you sent awesome. me a, a video sample of it and it was unbelievable. It The place looks great to begin with. It's huge. And you've got it filled with just the most amazing rock and roll memorabilia from our favorite decade. And we will absolutely be visiting the exhibit. Hopefully on opening day. That's my birthday, September 12th. Well, we're going to have a birthday party for you there. I would love it. It's on. It's a, it's a definite. So, right. so, Mark, you said you discovered some stuff you didn't even know you had. Can you give us an example of, of one of those items? Yeah, well, the slippery shirt, I couldn't find. I didn't know I had it until I started digging around, and I just, just kept digging and digging, and there it was. I, like, I couldn't believe it. So 
I pulled that one out. And then, uh, uh, you know, I did want to put in my, uh, I have the, the come out and play street in my garage, but it's about two tons. So I had to leave that there. <laughs> I, really, I really wanted to. And I have the manhole cover. That's actually, it went to the heavy metal Gra Grammy museum a few years ago and it ended up at the hard rock and it's still there and I have to get that. So that would have been cool. So that's wow. not going to be there, but, uh, uh, what do I have in there? Uh, well, there's that. Uh, oh, there's uh, my my camera uh, that I first started mowing lawns, and I, I got it when I was 12. So that's going to be there on my mannequin. I don't know. Did you see that little video clip of the mannequin? I don't know if I saw the mannequin. I, I got to watch it again because I, I, there's so many great clips. But I watched the one where they there was a model standing there in front of a blue uh, uh, seamless background. That, that was actually me. It's it's a dummy. It's, it's oh, oh, okay. So I did see the mannequin because I know I thought I saw the headband. I go, is that a girl or is that Mark? Yeah. So I recreated uh, a, my photo studio. So I have my my background and uh, I made a mannequin. I got my my first head, my bandana I ever had. It's on there. My camera and my purple pants that I used to wear in high school when I used to go to college. <laughs> so I I did see the mannequin. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was. Me. <laughs> you can you'll, you'll see me there, and the, you'll see uh, Angela in the uh, in the uh, on her mannequin on the, with the slippery uh, shirt on. Yep, Mark. Awesome. Mark, the stuff looked great. I and I I can't wait to see what it, it looked amazing as is right now. But I can't wait to see what it looks like on September twelfth when you've got it all completely done up. And uh, that's going to be an amazing birthday party for me. Coming down to hang out with you and seeing that exhibit. Sounds cool. Great. And again, that is at the Mammoth Museum in, in New Jersey. So everyone needs to check that out. Now, you, Mark, you mentioned the Slippery When Wet t-shirt. For viewers and listeners who might not know, can you talk a little bit about that album cover? So so you you take the, the album cover picture and then it ends up changing, right? Can you tell the story behind that? Yeah, well, it, the, the album was first going to be called Wanted, Dead, or Alive. And I shot them in these uh, cowboy motifs, you know, like they all dressed up like, you know, Billy the Kid. They all grew beards and they all came in my studio and I shot them one by one over the course of two weeks. And then I put together this collage of all, all five of them and it was pretty much done. And then they, a few months later, we got a call and they were in Vancouver finishing up the record. And they said, uh, you know, come on up and we want to do another shot like in a, uh, in a warehouse where they're not with that, without beards. And we had the poster in the background. So that's, an, that was another theme. And then they decided, uh, to go with slippery when wet, uh, just to change a heart. And then they told me what the concept was with the, uh, with the girls. Cause we used to go to the strip club up there, the number five club. And they had this, uh, plexiglass booth where they used to wet down the girls and, <laughs> we just, you know, after, you know, they would be recording and I'd be photographing, go over there and, you know, check it out like any, you know, young rock band would do. And, uh, and then, you know, this, the signs kept coming up and I believe Doc McGee kind of put two and two together and just said, uh, slippery one wet, you know, and then they said, all right, when we get back to Jersey, we want you to do a shoot with the band down, down the beach with uh, all the cars and we'll do like a car wash scene and we'll get these t-shirts that say slippery when wet. And so we did, we went down there to Belmar, me and my friend, Danny Sanchez helped me out and we got this shoot together. It was kind of easy to go, but you know, all the guys brought their girlfriends, but none of them, none of the girlfriends had really big, you know, breasts. <laughs> so, uh, 
So Chico and my friend Danny said, we'll go find someone. So they went across the street over in, uh, over down at the beach and they came back with this girl named Angela, you know, wow. the Italian, beautiful girl, uh, with, but they just found literally on the beach. Yeah. Within five minutes, you know, said, I, I, you want to be on a, You want to be on an album cover? Cause at the time that was the photo. We, we didn't know. We thought it might be the album cover. It could be the back cover, but you know, we were just going for the, the idea. Uh, just kind of really spontaneous. And, and that was it. And we put Angela like right in the front and center. Uh, it ended up on the inner sleeve, I believe. And also, you know, it made its way out there and actually it ended up, doing the cover shoot, I believe like a week later, John said, you know, you know, we want you to just shoot Angela, you know, in the studio and kind of like, you know, light it nice. And, and so we did that. And, uh, you know, it took about, you know, 20 rolls of film. I only had to take one, but you know, <laughs> it was right. You know, it's just me and Angela there. So, and it was, you know, it was. You want to uh, prolong the experience right there with, with Angela. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> But uh, no, so we we got the shot. It took a, took a couple hours, and I turned it in, and everyone was happy with it. You know, it was like you know that's it, that's the cover. You know, two months go by, uh, they've already printed a couple hundred thousand copies, if not more. Uh, they already were shipped to Japan, and uh, next thing you know, it uh, you know we get a call from the record company saying you know they're they're pulling the plug on it. They don't they don't want that because the PMRC was happening and. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, they couldn't get in the, in the stores that, you know, the family stores and they didn't want anything to wow. do the sale of the, of, you know, of the record. Cause you know, the songs were amazing. Everything was, everyone was in, you know, in order and they didn't want the artwork to, you know, jeopardize anything. So, uh, you know, they put it on the side and they said, we got to come up with something. And then, uh, I think Johnny called me up. And said, Mark, you know, we got like a day to come up with something. And I, I said, you know, you know, I'm, I'm ready, you know, I'm here, let me know. And then I get a call, like the, literally the day before the deadline was, and he just came up by himself and he said, uh, you got a, you got a black bag, you know, like a hefty bag, you know, garbage bag. I said, yeah, <laughs> I just went in my kitchen, you know, in the studio, pulled it out. I said, yeah, what do you want me to do with it now? And he goes, you know, just hang it up and get, got a squirt bottle or something. I said, yeah squirted the thing on there and he just wrote slippery one wet. And then I, I took a Polaroid and I, I said, you know, you want to, he, he was already out the door. I said, you want to, you want to see it? You know, I didn't even shoot film yet. And he's like, no, just send that to him. That's it. That's the cover. And, and that was <laughs> wow. it. Yeah. That's amazing. I always kind of thought it reminded me of like a car hood or something that was rained on. And then somebody with their finger wrote slippery one wet. Like it was very cool. But, well, that was the, the idea was like, you know, if you're in the car and like you're in a, you're in a car with blacked out windows and some kid, you know, usually writes on, on a slippery, you know, right yeah. initials or whatever. So that's kind of, that's kind of what it's supposed to be. No, it's, not it's, supposed so cool. to be it's not supposed to be a garbage bag. Yeah. I, I never even knew it was a garbage bag. So everybody we're talking about it in case you do not know, which everybody does know the Bon Jovi slippery one wet album cover. Now, Mark, how many albums did that sell? Do you know how, how much, how much, how many times platinum did that album go? Uh, I, honestly, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I had to go like, like well, I bet it went five times, ten times platinum, something like that. Oh yeah, gotta look it up. Definitely ten for sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, an amazing record, and what a, a insanely 
cool story about the cover. Mark, some of my favorite uh, stories from the book are the Aussie stories because there always seems to be some kind of weird twist or or something happens. And can you talk a little bit about the the time you got Ozzy to dress up in the the tutu and uh, the you know the fairies wear boots theme? Can you tell that story because that's just one of my favorites from the book. Well, that was actually my first photo shoot with uh, with Ozzy. Uh, it was 1981, and we're shooting him doing a couple things. So we were shooting a cover for the magazine. Uh, first album, solo album came out. Circus, was it? Circus Magazine, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then we're also doing something called uh, Heavy, uh, it was called uh, uh, Ice, we're doing like a yearbook theme for rock and rollers, you know, like, you know, yearbook. Uh, so Ozzy was like most athletic. That was the theme we were shooting him. Like, you know, Lover Boy was in there for most, you know, Lover or something. Everyone had their own title in this yearbook. It was rock and roll, it was called Rock and Roll Yearbook. And Ozzy was most athletic because he used to jump around a lot. So so uh, I bought boxing gloves and and he came out with his pink tutu, like for the concept. And, and then I saw the, the boots in the corner, the red boots that so you put them on. And then we just started having fun. And really that was only supposed to be a black, small black and white photo for this, it was called Rock and Roll Yearbook. And, uh, and really it was supposed to be a black and white, but I sent all the photos to the magazine and they used it for a color, a cover. Uh, That's they, great. They, they were pissed for a while. They didn't, that was supposed to be the cover and I didn't know it was supposed right. to be. Right, and when you say they, you mean Sharon and Ozzy. They, yeah. they, they, weren't, they weren't happy. <laughs> so you send this thing in and thinking it's just gonna be a, a small picture and here yeah. is Ozzy on the cover of the magazine, unbeknownst to you or, or Sharon or Ozzy. And, and they, for a while, do you say something like they weren't returning your calls or they kind of shunned well, you for a little bit? Well, we were just getting, they really liked me, you know, and I liked them. I was only like, I was young. I was like 21, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was like Ozzy Osbourne, you know? And and then I, I put Ozzy on the cover in the pink tutu, the Prince of Darkness, you know? Like, it's like, it didn't go well. And, <laughs> and yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually, eventually they kind of come to accept it. And, and of course you get back in the fold with Ozzy and you maintain this long relationship with him and, and you're doing photo shoots with him frequently. And another time, I guess maybe a year or so later, you get called to, to LA, I think by Sharon and you show up at the house ready to uh, do some photos. and. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, there's there's something going on with Ozzy's head that uh, right, right. can you yeah. talk? Can you tell that story, too? And then I'll leave the Ozzy stories behind. That's just so great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. um, well, it just, you know, we started getting, you know, they started returning my calls when they started getting all this publicity from that shoot, you know, so that it started working for him. And then we realized, you know, Ozzy was embracing all this craziness. And then I was the one that, you know, he was letting me do all this stuff. So. I I started trying to come up with other ideas since they were up for that and they were accepting that. I said, all right, let's come up with something else. So really that cover was only supposed to be a cool shot of Ozzy um, coming out of a birthday cake because it was Circus Magazine's 13th uh, birthday. And I figured we'd play off the bats. So I got this, um, this flag with the bats on it. It says happy 13th. And I got some black balloons just to have in the background 
and we had this cake like he was coming out of and he was going to wear a tuxedo. So that was the shot. So when I got there, I was all set up. You know, Sharon's like, oh, you're not going to believe what Ozzy did last night. I said, what? He goes, um, he shaved his head. And I, I had a lot riding on this, you know, I'm still, right. kind of a, you know, I'm working for circus for a couple of years now, but still, you know, they flew me out there. I had to get all these props. It was expensive. Um, which in the eighties for a long haired rocker to shave his head, that's, that's pretty crazy for those days. Right, right. Now it's like, everybody's doing it, but in the eighties, you needed right. long hair. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But everyone, you know, Ozzy, Ozzy's crazy. Let's face it. So then I said, all right, what are we going to do? She goes, don't worry, Mark, we'll figure something out. I'm like, all right. So then she started, uh, you know, she brought Ozzy out there and he, she started like, you know, drawing on his head, you know, like this, thing that you know this black you know weird design and i i said you know we're missing something here you know and i took the two balloons and i put them on his head and it looked like mickey mouse ears you know it wasn't planned that way you know and then ozzy gave me that that grin and it just snapped it and that was the shot it was like magic shot that is great stuff and you know you you kind of hinted on this earlier but what you know you got Ozzy to do things that he might not do with other photographers. And I don't think that is just an exclusive to Ozzy. That seems to be the case with, with just dozens and dozens of our favorite rockers. What, what do you think self-reflection on yourself? What do you think you have that enables these people to feel comfortable with you because they don't with everybody. I mean, I even know from interviewing some of them, there's just some, some of them, you know, they, they're guarded. And how do you, how do you break through that and, and, and reach them emotionally? It, that's just it. Like I don't break through. I just be myself and I'm really a shy person, you know, and, and, uh, and then to be in a situation where I can have a little bit of control and be there for a reason, it, it kind of, helps me get out of my shell. So I kind of like turn into this other kind of, you know, person that I kind of wanted to, to, to be, you know, so it kind of put me in a spot where they, uh, you know, they listen to me, you know, if I, if I tell Ozzy to move to the left, he moves to the left. I'm like, wow. You know, and I just felt, you know, I really felt good doing it. And, and I was just really conscious. I, I kind of know, by them looking at me, I, I'm not a real technical guy, but I know when they're looking at me, I know if they turn to a certain side and I know the better side, I know how the light hits them. And I just put them in that light and I don't really talk a lot when I shoot. But once I have it down, then I start talking and I kid around a little bit. And I guess that's it. I just make them feel comfortable. Uh, I, I goof around. Uh, they trust you. I mean, they, they obviously trust you because they all want you back the next time, you know? Yeah. It's a, you know, they, you know, like when I'm on the road with these bands for a week at a time, I used to like when Rat went out for, you know, a tour, I would go for a week. Then I would go out with Molly and Ozzy. I'd bounce around. And then uh, so when I went out there and I'd be there to take pictures and get them in the magazine. So I'd be like this new person, part of their entourage, their tour. So I was I was like the new friend all of a sudden every time, you know, they see me once every few months. So it was like really refreshing. And they always gave me good, you know, good good access and I give them photos and I'd always bring other photos and uh yeah and I was always in the front of the photo pit so all the girls in the front you know they always like want you know they always want to meet the band so when I'm there they give me notes and the band says hey check get that one over backstage so I'd be a little 
a cheap guy too. So yeah, right there, you go. That's great, and Mark. You 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 were like another rocker hanging out with them. You, you brought the you know some of the girls back, which was amazing. And and so I think that's one of the things you you I think they felt like you were one of them too, as opposed to just like some guy from a magazine you know who was coming to shoot them they, they trusted you and they felt like you were a friend and i think that was a cool thing now mark i wanted to talk about you've done uh you know a lot of work with age freely through the years and one of the greatest pictures that you've taken was from madison square garden in 1977 during what i think was the rock and roll over tour and and tell us about that whole experience because you had to be a kid at that point like a high school kid yeah, I was uh, 17, actually, when I shot that. And I was wow. I was shooting for about a year already, a, a couple years, like, you know, seriously. In my, you know, I was shooting all the shows around town. And I would sneak in the first night and, and take pictures and then stay up all night and then sell them the next night. So, and make wow. them sell them for a buck a piece. I'd sell them in my high school locker, out of my high school locker. I'd sell them on the train. Uh, and then I'd go in and shoot the concert and then shoot them. And then afterwards I would sell them again. Were and you developing your own photos at that point? Like, did you have a dark room and stuff where yeah. you went in? Yeah. Yes. Actually, the, my dark room is going to be at the museum too. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I saw that. When you yeah. said my dark room, I was like, is this Mark's house or is this the museum? And, and, and to, any younger, to any younger people that are listening, I, I was in the photography club for when I was back in school. Pre uh, in the old days, guys, you had to go into a dark room and and dip the things into chemicals to get the the prints of the photos, and uh, very different from what we do nowadays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try to you know do a little keynote speaking at it is it's on a campus you know over in Brookdale, so I'm gonna try to get kids to come in and educate them a little bit about the process and all that you know. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I used to like, you know, stay up all night and develop. I loved it in the beginning, but after a while, it's like you have your hands in the stop and it's your hands are all like these chemicals. <laughs> and it was just like, I was just cranking out these prints, you know, uh, but it was fun. And actually that show uh, uh, really changed my, my life because uh, those, that photo of Ace that's in my book, uh, you know, I got arrested that night selling those pictures. I, Man, I didn't know that. Wow. And then the next day I went to Circus Magazine. I just looked at the, I went home and I'm like, what am I going to do now? I went to jail overnight, went in the paddy wagon with all the shirt sellers and I was a 17 year old kid. And, uh, and then I went home to the circus and I looked at where it was and it said New York City. So I went, I just went on a train. I went to New York and I knocked on the door and they let me in and the, uh, the secretary took a liking to me and said, you know, hang out, you know, stay and the art director will, you know, I'll have him come see you in a few hours if, if he's around, you know, he's, he's working and he's busy now. I said, I'll wait, I'll wait till tomorrow, you know? And, uh, he came out and he went and saw me and he liked my stuff. And then Jerry Rothberg came in, uh, the editor and the owner of the magazine. <laughs> and, you know, he, they took a liking to me and they said, Oh, well, we like your, your work, but you have to shoot Kodachrome film because they liked it nice and sharp. And, crisp and everything. I was shooting Ectochrome at the time because it's available light and that's what the band's like. Uh, so I said, okay, uh, when I'll, I'll reach out when I think I have something. So then fast forward like six months, Aerosmith was playing at, uh, at Giant Stadium with Ted Nugent and I stuck my camera in 
and had some great shots. I shot, I had it on Kodachrome because it was during the day. I didn't, with Kodachrome, you have to use a flash. And I didn't, okay, like, I, I, see. Didn't like, I didn't like using flash, but I didn't have to use a flash because it was an outdoor stadium show and they were playing in daylight. So I had all these really cool shots of, you know, Aerosmith. I dropped them off at the office. They, the secretary called me up and asked, he asked me, do you have any pictures of Aerosmith? Because they, they can't find any. And I, and I said, yeah, I actually do. And I dropped them off. And then uh, a month later, uh, she goes, you know, go to the newsstand. Check, you know, I want you to see something. Beatles were on the cover. It was October 78. And uh, the, in, the, in the magazine was the biggest picture in the book, the centerfold of Steven Tyler. And then from there, you know, I get, started getting in the magazine. Every, you know, every issue I had Ted Nugent and Journey, and you know, I was just, you know, then eventually they gave me, they got me access with the photo pass. And then uh, I think one of my first assignments was uh, Van Halen '79 in Convention Hall in Asbury Park. And then there was another centerfold, and you know, then I just started once I had that access, and I, you know, I set up from Circus. And it's like the door is open really wide, you know, it's great. So I could pretty much get a photo pass anywhere, get backstage. I mean, that's one of my, the, the shot of, it, of Eddie Van Halen was backstage at the convention hall. You know, that was wow. 1979. I was like 19, I think. And you, and you talk about, you know, you mentioned getting arrested for the, the uh, that night and, and then flash forward like six, seven years later, maybe eight, I don't know. You mentioned in the book that you are actually taking pictures of Kiss for the, you know, for the first time, uh, with some of their first photos without makeup right near where that, the arrest had happened. And yeah. here you have them in your, your own studio, right? In Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. Just a block away from where I got arrested. I'm shooting, you know, when Vinnie yeah. was in the band and, uh, you know, yeah, it was kind of crazy. What do you remember about that? Were they, I mean, these were literally some of the first pictures that they've ever done without their makeup, you know, where they're not hiding their face. Were they nervous? How did, was it awkward for them? How, how, how did they feel when they, for some of their first photos without makeup? No, they were, I mean, Paul and Gene, they're very confident. So they, you couldn't even tell they weren't nervous at all. But, you know, uh, Eric was a little shy in front of a camera and Vinny was, was, he just kind of went along with it. But Gene and Paul were just, I think they thought they had their makeup on, to be honest with you, because they right. were, you know, they just. posing like they would, right? Yeah, they would, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah they were. And, uh, you know, they just, they just moved on. It's like they didn't skip a beat. They decided what they were going to do and they did it. And right. I was there and then. And then they started. Work, then they started hiring me to do their tour books, and and uh, you know, still to this day, you know, I just did their last tour book uh, when they were doing when uh, a few years ago. Right on. And yeah. and you, you know, another thing in the another thing we see in the book is that you know you you were just there at all these big events like like the US Festival, Hearing Aid, and let's talk about those two events, which were really big moments in heavy metal history in the eighties. The Hearing Aid project. Can you talk about being there? What what the vibe was like, what you remember about that day? It was just like a bunch of kids getting together from like on a high school trip, you know, like everyone was just, you know, loving each other, you know, high-fiving and hanging out and smoking and drinking and playing together. It was, it was, you know, quite an experience, you know, nothing like that's ever going to happen again. And, right. uh, 
Yeah, it's so great that they have that on video too, because you can just watch it and it's just it's amazing, you know. And who invited you to that? Like, how do you how do you get it? Was it the Dio group or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had, Dio maybe or Ronnie. Yeah, I got a, I had a relation. First time I shot Ronnie was in Black Sabbath, of course, in the in the you know the first album, and then I became friendly with him, and he was great. Like the first time I shot Black Sabbath was at the Garden, uh, the Black and Blue tour. And, uh, I remember, uh, I never really, I never met Tony before. And I just did it. I actually did a shoot with Eric from Blue Easter Cole with his motorcycle. And I said, you know, let me try to, maybe I can get a shoot with Black Sabbath. So I asked the tour manager, I introduced myself. I said, I work with Circus and, you know, can I get a band shot? So yeah, let's see what I can do. So I did this quick band shot with the band and then Ronnie stayed behind and he said, uh, you know, you know, do you want, you you think you got it, Mark? You think you got got the shot? You know, I said, I said, yeah, I think I got it. I said, you need anything else? Uh, I said, well, if you want to do some individuals, that'd be cool. And and he stood around and we did some individuals. And actually, the picture, the full page in my book was wow, right. at, at my first time I ever shot Ronnie. And then a couple, of, then I shot him the next tour, and they started working with him. And then when he went solo in '83, I shot him uh, in my studio in New York. Uh, for Faces magazine, and with the, okay, I love that the net in the background, and that's actually the photo that Wendy uh, uh, had had blown up, and she put um, when he passed. You know, when everyone signs the book at, at the service, right? right. And uh, I'll never forget. I was it was me. I came I was kind of coming, you know, towards the end. It just started, and me and Rob Halford. He was right behind me. Uh, came and we're walking, we're signing the book and Rob's behind me and he, and he, he goes, Oh, what a nice picture of Ronnie. I wonder when that was taken. And I looked up and I saw it was my photo of that, that photo. Wow. That. Wow. And I, it's the first time I saw it that I knew she was going to do it. So I was like, wow, that, that was cool. Um, and then, and then, uh, I also did the last photographs of him and, and Black Sabbath that they used for their box set. Uh, you know, when they played Radio City and they did the DVD the heaven and hell, the heaven, yeah, and, hell. heaven and hell. Yeah. That was, they, they wanted me for that too. So I, you know, I, you know, I pride myself in maintaining my relationships with bands, you know, they're everyone, they're, they're friends, you know, it's, I don't even look at it as work. I just look at it as just like, you know, I hope they call me. And then if they don't call me, I'll say, why didn't you call me? You know, like, <laughs> like a girlfriend, you know, it's like, what are you, <laughs> what do you mean? What are you using that person for? <laughs> it's, uh, that DVD is, uh, uh, dear to john and i heart uh, our hearts because we're we're actually in the bonus footage of the great stuff but but uh the us festival uh, and again i don't want to make this all about ozzy but i i love the story that you know it, for anybody that knows the the us festival one of the most historic heavy metal concerts ever uh it was uh, the heavy metal day this was the festival thrown by steve uh not jobs um uh, what was it uh, Woz, Wozniak, Steve Wozniak, I, I think, uh, and he, um, uh, Ozzy plays during the day, and Ozzy arrives in this crazy costume, and I love that, that, can you tell us what happened with that costume beforehand? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sharon <laughs> Ozzy didn't even know I, what I did with it before when it came to my studio, so I was doing a photo shoot uh, at my studio with Ozzy, and Sharon said, um, uh, you know, we're going to send this costume that we're going to use at the US Festival. We want to do a photo shoot with it. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, send it over. 
it was this big box, you know, it looked like it came from Africa, you know, it was like one of those things where, you know, it could be like, you know, the little voodoo dolls in there or something like it was all wrapped up like that. So, you know, <laughs> I'm supposed to do this shoot. It was been sitting in my studio for a week and she's like, you know, don't open it, just let it be. And we'll open it. <laughs> like, all right, I'm dying to see what's in there. So the day of the shoot, they said uh, they couldn't make it. Something happened. They couldn't make it. And I said, but can you ship the, uh, the box to, uh, you know, where they were going to be for the US Festival. And I said, all right, you know, I was bummed out. And then, then, and then I just, you know, opened it up, you know, I got my crowbar, you know. So this is like the wooden where the, you have to open it with like a crowbar because it's a wooden box. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. yeah, I have a picture of me in front of it, you know, kind of, I did a little self portrait and then I did a whole process of me taking it out and then putting it on. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I remember doing one shot with my my thing hanging out of it because it's all feathers and stuff. And in, in, in the chapter, I had to Photoshop it out, but it's actually sticking out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I never like the first time that they're gonna see it is in the book, you know? Like, right? They, they oh, that's great! They didn't even know I did that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I packed it up lice and everything, and then and then you know, Ozzy, of course, he wore it and the first song, and he ripped it off in like thirty seconds. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the decade that rocked book by Mark Weiss. It's a great uh, visual, amazing visuals. And like I said, there's also just great little stories in there about all our favorite bands and and uh, just uh, really highly recommended. Again, I got it for Father's Day. Where's the best place to get it, Mark? Is it Amazon or through your site? Well, right now it's uh, it's it's sold out of Amazon. It's been sold out for like over wow. a month. Uh, first pressing. So the second pressing, uh, I have a handful left of the, uh, of actually I'm sold out of the first pressing, but the second pressing I should be getting in on Friday. I'm getting like 600 books in and in time for my signing at the, uh, at the event. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. I've been getting a lot of good press. I actually out of nowhere, I go on my Facebook and I really check out my direct messages, you know, on there. And, right. then, and then I, you know, I, once a week I'll read it and, and it was a message from the Today Show. Oh, and, wow. And I, wow. I didn't put two and two together really until they emailed. So I got the, the message and I, I, I say yes to anyone to do an interview. You know, like this 14-year-old girl last week, she's just started her own thing and wanted to interview me. So I, of course, I mean, I want to inspire any, anyone that has, especially young people that want to share, you know, spread the word because yes. she's 14 now and passionate about rock and roll. Can you imagine another couple of years, you know? Yeah. So, and we need the young people. Yeah, no doubt. That's yeah, amazing. Sure. That's great. So I, uh, so I just say yes without even like checking out how many followers they have or anything. I mean, after I agree to it before I go on, I'll see how many followers they have just, just to see, you know, get a little bit for them when it's actually committed. So this person from the Today Show, which I didn't really get until they responded in their email and it had the logo of the Today Show and it was from Australia and uh, they wanted to do a piece on me. And, and we did a live piece about a week ago from Sydney. Uh, it was nine o'clock in the evening here in New Jersey. And it was, I guess, nine in the morning there. And uh, it was fun, you know. I want to do. I like to do more of that. And I just started. Mark, that was that was part of the clip that you sent, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was amazing. That was great. And they had, you know, everybody from like Sebastian Bach was in that, and 
you know, everybody who you're friends with, who you've shot through the years, it's just an unbelievable roster of people that you've worked with. I mean, I can't even name anyone that I don't think you've worked with. You know what I mean? Like, it's just been great. And Mark, uh, let me ask you one thing. You've, uh, just to, off topic a little bit, you interviewed uh, me and Jamie from Like It for another project you're working on, the, uh, the rock scene. Right. Well, uh, I acquired the name Rock Scene, the magazine from the 70s. I always loved the, the, the logo. Yeah. And so I decided to archive all the magazines from the 70s. There's 52 issues from 73 to 80, 82, I think. And Amazing. I archived them. I threw them up there. Anyone wants to, you know, check them out or read them. And then I just kind of used the, the concept of the of rock scene to, you know, interview new bands on their talking about their rock scene. And then uh, and then whenever I did a show, did a show because there's no magazines out there, it was a way I could showcase my photographs uh, and put them in a way and say a little bit. Not much. I'm not a journalist, but, you know, say a few things in there and just put it up. Anyone wants to grab the photos and do what they want with it. And then I just kind of led from that. But uh, and but I did start doing interviews and actually Ronnie James Dio was my first interview 10 years, over 10 years ago when he, wow. you know, on the, on the last tour before. Yeah, you've, I know I've been with you. Um, you've done ACE. I, I think that was on the Gibson tour bus in Philadelphia. Yeah. That was a great interview. What a great setting that was. And, and thank you that you uh, featured my group like it in, in the magazine. And we did that at Starland ballroom. So I really appreciate your help with, with me and my group. And thank you for doing that. Yeah, well, I, I have over 100 interviews and there's a few million views. And I just, you know, it's like I'm at a show and I like to go early and watch Soundcheck. But what am I going to do between Soundcheck and uh, and the show? So I figured, you know, why don't I just sit and chat with them and videotape them while I'm chatting with them? It's just me and them. And it's pretty much the storyline is uh, just tell me your early beginnings. Like, tell me when you first started and up until you became, you know, famous or, you know, you took off. So it's kind of like the story behind the, the story, you know, and uh, and it's just like a campfire story, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I have a lot of people on there and they're they're, you know, it's, it's they're fun to watch. So I, you know, and I'm starting to post them on the decade that rock. So I'm kind of any any bands that are in that category, in that decade, right. I'll throw them on there for some new life, you know, because I've been doing it for 10 years. I, you know, but I have a ton of people. So I would, you know, check out the interviews on the decade that rocks.com and also on roxine.com too. Absolutely. So, so Mark, uh, you, you will let you go soon. Cause you've been very gracious with your time tonight. I know we're already at 45 minutes, but um, I did want to ask you because obviously you, you shot in the seventies, you shot in the eighties. The book is uh, about for the most part, the eighties, but you know, you've been shooting the nineties, the two thousands, and it just so on and so on. Could there be a book for each decade? I mean, is that something you've, you've thought about? I mean, the 80s were incredibly important to me, but the 90s were possibly equally as important, you know, and, and yeah. I would love to see some of those photos from the 90s all condensed into one book, too. Well, it's funny when Sebastian did a, uh, I, sent him, I sent Sebastian the book uh, and I wrote a note in there and I had uh, eight by tens and I, and I gave it to him and uh, the first thing he said when he opened it up, and he did like a little, pretty much an infomercial for me. And, <laughs> and uh, he goes, what decade was it, Mark? You know, because, you know, what dec decade is the decade that rocked? And I have a shirt 
this is the decade they're rocking. People come up to me, goes, what decade is that? So right. I'm going to do a little tagline on the back of the shirt. What decade was that? Because, you know, the seven, the sixties rock, the seventies rock, the 80, you know, every decade. Right. Rock. But for me, it was the eighties, you know, right. The nineties for me, actually, Mark, um, uh, I kind of, I kind of stuck with the eighties bands, you know, like right. I didn't, I mean, I shot Allison Chains and I shot uh, Soundgarden and, uh, you know, Limp Bizkit and all those bands too. But, uh, you know, they really didn't want to be photographed and they didn't care. Yeah. Uh, like, so it's like, I tried. I mean, I had assignments to shoot them and I would get backstage and all that, but they weren't fun, you know? Right. So, right. It was just a different experience. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of let it get, you know, I, I stuck with the bands that ended up, you know, playing clubs, like this, the bands that were playing arenas that were my friends. I, I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. Wherever they went, I would go too. Cause it really wasn't about anything else. It was right. about just hanging out with my friends, you know, and if I could take a picture, all right. So I couldn't make a, I couldn't sell them to the, all the magazines, but still, I mean, it's still getting this stockpile of photographs. I'm a photographer, you right. know, I'm not, you know, uh, I really didn't do it, not doing it for the money. I just do it to document and to document those bands and to do it throughout the decades. Uh, it's amazing. But yeah, the, my next book, I want it to be, well, actually I want my next book to be a one shot of one of the bands out there, like mm -hmm. Ozzy, Motley, Van Halen, Guns, you know, Guns N' Roses, you know, what are those bands that do like that decade of that band, like in the same kind of feel of what I did. Um, but you know, I want to I want to work with that band, so I have to you know reach out to them. I mean, I don't have to, but I I want to, and get their cooperation and get involved with them and make it really special for the fans. Right, right. But uh, also, I want to do with Decade That Rock Two, kind of like call it BW Black and White, and do all this, pull up my black and white files of them. Uh, you know, because the black and whites, I used to shoot more black and white to color because it was it was less money, you know, because black and white was a lot cheaper and I yeah. would develop it myself. And the magazines didn't really want black and white and I didn't really want to sell pictures to the magazines because they only pay 25 bucks as, as opposed to 100 bucks. So I have all these black and white images like... Never before seen stuff. Yeah, backstage on the bus because you didn't need to develop, you know, it was all grainy and gritty and you just fuck around. And... uh and I have all these images, so I, I want that to be, and then, and then focus more on being on the road with the bands. This book was more about like shoots that kind of like made made me as a photographer, like you know shoots that really had an impact on on me, and you know like the Twisted Sister album cover or this. I love. Yeah. So there's stories that were the big stories. So this one. This next book won't be stories. It will just be a bunch of cool photos with maybe quotes from bands or something like that. You know, right on. Yeah, I don't know, but you know, Mark, you got so much material. You can come out with like a lot more books, and I'm looking forward to both decades of rock too with the black and white stuff. And I love the idea of sticking with one group and bringing the group in, working together with them on the book, and and doing a Motley book or a Guns N' Roses book. That's or an Ozzy book. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I'm working on uh, on this project. It just came my way as kind of like a fluke. Uh, it was brought to me. Someone wanted to purchase a photo of Kevin Dubrow for the cover of their, a book that this girl was putting out, and she was the president of the Quiet Riot fan club from the '70s and the and the '80s. You know, for the whole uh -huh. Randy and everything. 
And, uh, and she uh, reached out to me. She's like, how much would it cost to use this photo? Because she wanted a special photo of this necklace that she gave him uh, with a microphone. Wow. And, uh, and you know, it was, she, it was too much for her. And I, and I said, well, send, let, let me see what you, you know, show me the manuscript. Let me see it. And she sent it to me and there are handwritten notes going back and forth to Kevin. And she was really, she was the, you know, they had a, a, a personal, not, you know, nothing, you know, not boyfriend, girlfriend, nothing sexual. Right, but they really had a personal relationship. Yeah. 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 She was just a true fan. You know, she was only 16, I believe when she met him. Uh, and, uh, so I started looking at it and then I started talking to my friend, uh, Ron Sobel, who did, uh, the quiet riot photos in the beginning with Randy, uh, who's a friend of mine. And I figured let's take both, let's, let's turn this into maybe not a coffee table book, but let's turn it into something glossy, not just a book with, you know, uh, memoirs, you know, like a lot of the books that there are little and, you know, you just read it and then have her personal, uh, Fan, fan club photos because she has great photos of her getting ready, ticket stubs, posters. She even has the original Quiet Riot mask. Uh, wow! Video shoot that she helped get actually. You know, yeah, she yeah. all these stories. So we're we're trying to get it out pretty. You know, we're trying to at least do a pre order by uh, Kevin's because it, it's it's the book's about mostly about Kevin, but it's quite riot, but it's really their relationship with Kevin, you know, Kevin's going to be on the cover and, uh, and we're trying to get it out. Kevin would have been 65 on October 31st on Halloween. So I'm trying to tie it all in with the mask and everything. And oh, yeah. right, right, right. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, definitely stay tuned for that. I mean, yeah, that's a, it's I, a great yeah, project. I'm really interested in that as well, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, Mark, before we let you go, uh, where is the best place that people can get in touch with you online? Is it Instagram or Twitter or what do you prefer? Uh, I have all of them, but definitely Facebook. I, Facebook, you know, yeah. Facebook, M. Weiss guy or Mark Weiss photography. And then I have the decade that rock.com, uh, the decade that rocked on Facebook too. Uh, and I, and I do have a new site. So since the pandemic, you didn't ask me what I've been shooting lately. Come oh, on. no, no, I didn't. But let, tell us, tell us, what have you been doing? Okay. I can't, of course you can't shoot rock stars, you know, right, and, right. but I shoot rock stars. Okay. All right. So, so you're shooting. Okay. What? The, the sky constellations the- or. All right. So. Okay. I, I went to check out the sunset in Atlantic Islands where I live near by the beach. And then I, uh, I saw this little sign said, you know, this Henry Hudson trail. And I said, Oh, my daughter told me about that. And so I started walking on, walking along it. And all of a sudden I started to see these rock formations, you know, like they stack rocks up and things. So, uh, I started taking pictures with my phone and making them look really huge and like looking like, you know, huge and with the sunset. So I started doing that and I started posting them and, and made a, I made a site uh, called I want to rock Stonehenge because I used the photo that I shot when I was at, with Ozzy in, in 86, when they did monsters of rock and I had a picture of Stonehenge. So I took that against uh, a sunset that I shot and I used that as the main shot and then got inspired wow. by it. And there's these, if you go on it, you know, I want to rock Stonehenge. You'll see these rocks that are really only this big, you know, but they look like they're, you know, like a hundred feet high. Wow. 
and it's, it's great. New. So I, so when I, I walk, you know, four or five times a week, I walk down this path and I ride my, I ride my bike now and I just stop and I just kind of go for it and go for different things. And I, I actually, I found this little Barbie doll with his, with her head, uh, like, like gnarled off by some dog. And I found it and I use her in there now too. And she's actually a rock climber. She's got like a helmet. So I wow. I throw her in there, do silhouettes. So it, you gotta check it out. It's, I uh, absolutely will check it out. I'm looking at it right now really, really on cool. Facebook. Yeah, oh. the little Barbie. Yeah, that's great. So it's I want to rock Stonehenge on. It's a Facebook page, right? Yeah, and no one yeah, really knows about it. I didn't. This is the first time I'm announcing that I'm doing all this this kind of stuff. But I love it. I never shared it with anyone. I just kind of word of mouth for now. But I guess the cat's out of the bag. It's, I'm shooting rock stars so at night. I do nice shots too for the silhouette. So their stars are out. So I'm shooting rock stars still. You're awesome. still doing it. Great Mark, stuff, that, that sounds like a really fun project. I can't wait to see how you make these small things look huge. I know they're going to look amazing. And uh, Mark, it sounds like you pulled it up right already on your yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I'm checking it out right now. But but Mark, it's been great talking with you. Thanks for this, this great book, The Decade That Rocked. Guys, highly recommended. And I love the size of the book, Mark. I, I love yeah. it when Mark held it up and I saw the physical size of it. I love it. It's not it's not that small book like it, you know, like your typical biography or something. This is it's like a coffee nice table book. book. Yeah, it's book. great. Yeah. That's where we have it on our coffee table. Yeah. When I when I got it, you know, and everyone's, you know, talking about it's a coffee table book, I'm like, I don't even have a coffee table. So I went I went and Googled it on Amazon. Yeah. Like the first thing they I put heavy metal coffee table. And the first thing that came up with this really cool looking coffee table. And I bought it, and now I have it in my room. And you have the book on it? Yeah, of course. I have a whole. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so, I, if you buy the book from me on the decade that rocked, I, I can personalize it and all that. I also have these centerfolds that I do. I have a Lita one. Oh, nice, nice. And I have a Vince Neil one. I keep oh, adding. Oh, cool. I just added a James Hetfield one. Uh, Very cool. I include that, you know, you can get it when Amazon it becomes available, which it will be in the next week or so. You can get it for like 45 bucks and then you can get it for me for about the same and you get postcards and for a little more, I, I, I personalize it, write a little something. And then there's these different bundles with photos and all that. And there's t-shirts and, you know, I have to thank you. You know, I heard an echo. I have to thank you because you gave me a, a amazing postcard set that had, Ace D Snyder and some amazing stuff back back in you know a few years ago, and I, I still have that. That's such a cool postcard set that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. So you'll get those if, when you get the book from me. So you will get awesome. you won't get it on Amazon, but you'll get it from me. Nice. And Mark, at the event, people can buy the book too, and you're going to sign them. Yeah. At, at the at the the opening now, will you be there only at the the first day, or will you be there different days as well? Uh, actually, no, what I'm planning to do, because this thing is almost like sold out and it's free. This one is free, but it's, it might even be sold out. But if, if you still want to go, uh, I would say go on. And I think they have a waiting list and anyone on the waiting list, as soon as we do another one, because what I'm going to do is like once a week, I'm going to do a signing there. I'm going to go nice. there for a couple hours. It's only 15 minutes from my house. It's the museum. You just have to make a small donation and we'll give you one of these posters. If you make it like a $10 donation, you get, you get a poster and it's a donation for the, you know, for the museum. Cause it's a, non, it's a nonprofit. And then you get to check out all my photos and then you take a picture with the slippery, you know, mannequin and me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it looks amazing. I cannot wait to see it. It's, it's great. It looks unbelievable. 
Cool. All right, Mark. Mark Weiss, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending some time with us and uh, Thanks, keep doing what you do. We always, my wife and I, always love running into you at shows. It's always uh, you're always so uh, nice to everyone, and uh, we appreciate we appreciate what you do as fans. Uh, I'm just a fan too, and I appreciate what you guys do. A big thanks to Mark Weiss for joining us here on the podcast. And wow, so many great stories. I had I had even more notes I wanted to talk to him about, but I don't know. We, I, 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 you give, somebody gives you 45 minutes of their time, that's enough. You know, you got to respect their time. So there you go. We'll put a video for uh, for this up on YouTube. You can watch us interview Mark if you'd prefer that. Well, you already just listened to the interview, so I guess I should have said that before we started the interview. Let's say if you if you want to actually go back and watch it, uh, it is up on YouTube. Okay, all right. Thanks, guys. Follow me on Twitter. It's at talkingmetal.com. We'll talk to you next time.